Hello, and welcome to the Scouting Rapport podcast. Uh, it's just me again, Jacob, um, and probably will be for the foreseeable future. Um, sorry if you hear a little background noise or some water running in my house. I'm not sure if you'll be able to hear that, but um, try to edit it out maybe if I can. Anyway, um, I'm still focusing on uh, editing the podcast and getting them uploaded to some more podcasting forums, uh, making some progress in the right direction there. Um, I actually recorded um, and edited the Edwards Wiseman podcast already, um, and I uploaded it to Sa- or I was going to upload it to Sa- upload it to SoundCloud. Words are hard. Just getting the actual SoundCloud account transferred over to me from Peter, and then I'll be able to update some stuff and get it uploaded to iTunes and Spotify. So hopefully you'll be able to find this podcast in some more places going forward. Um, But for now, we're going to talk about Cole Anthony. Um, Cole Anthony is a point guard, currently a freshman at North Carolina, playing for the Tar Heels. He's a point guard. He's actually a little bit old for a freshman. Um, His birthday is May 15th of 2000, so he's already 19 and he'll be 20 um, when he gets drafted. He's uh, 6'3", 184 pounds, and has a relatively short wingspan. Um, when I say relatively, I mean relatively for uh, NBA prospect. It's six three and a half. Um, for a normal person, that's that's pretty normal. Um, but for an NBA prospect, that's probably considered short. Um, as for some of his stats, and he is currently injured right now. Um, I believe he's planning on coming back. Haven't looked too far into it. Um, he had a partially torn meniscus that he had. See if I can say this word: arthroscopic. I apologize if I butchered that or if my Midwest accent made it sound stupid, but he had arthroscopic surgery on his knee to repair that partially torn meniscus, and it was a four to six week injury. Uh, Remains to be seen if he'll end up coming back and playing at all. But in his time at North Carolina, um, he played about 33 minutes per game, and he took about 17 shots, making 37% of them. He took about seven threes per game, actually 6.9, which is very nice, and he made about 36% of his threes. He took about six free throws a game, making about 68%, which is really close to being nice. Um, He had about 6.3 rebounds a game, 3.4 assists, two steals, about four turnovers, and culminating in about 19 points per game. Um, His true shooting percentage was under 50, which isn't what you want to see, but it was 48.2. His offensive rating was 94.8, and his defensive rating is 95.8. So there's definitely some concerns just looking at his stats. The field goal percentage is obviously very low, and his three-point percentage is fine, but not great. His free throw percentage is all right, but not great. And obviously his true shooting advanced and his uh, rating numbers aren't very good. But that being said... And this might actually surprise you. I liked him a lot. It was very weird. Um, Typically, when we look at these types of prospects where their statistics are really bad, typically I don't end up liking them. But I saw a lot of good things when I watched the Cole Anthony game. Um, The game I watched was actually, I believe, the very first game of the year. Um, It was North Carolina versus Notre Dame. And in that game, he took 24 shots and made exactly half of them, 12. He took 11 threes and made six. He took five 
free throws and made four. I really can't talk today. I'm sorry, guys. But uh, otherwise, he got 11 rebounds, five assists, and a totaling 34 points. So a double-double for him, plus five assists. Um, in the game I watched, he came out a little slow on the offensive end. Um, and one of the notes I actually made was, I think he kind of had some first-game jitters or was a little too pumped up because his first few shots were really long and really off. But as the game got going, he started to dial in from everywhere on the court, really. His jump shot was starting to fall, and it looked really nice. I think that early early slump he kind of went through was just a product of either jitters or being too jacked up for the moment, which is kind of to be expected. It's your first game playing at a big Division I school. I could see why that could impact your um, adrenaline. But other than that, he actually started out nicely contributing in a lot of other ways. Um, he picked up a few assists early. He pulled down a lot of rebounds in the first half. Um, so he ended up having seven rebounds already at halftime to go with 11 points. And that was despite um, a slow start from shooting the ball. Um, but after he came out at halftime, he missed his first shot to go down to four for 10 and one for four from three, which isn't great. But then he started getting going. He ended up, like I said, going 12 for 24 and making six threes. At one point, there was a few possessions where he just came down and was heat checking it. And he actually made two of the three that I consider to be heat checks. He made two threes in a row and then the last one he misses. But offensively, what I liked about him was he has a really nice looking shot from all areas of the floor. And he seemed very comfortable running the offense, and this was despite being a freshman. It's his very first game playing for this big program, so it's good to see that. He's got a really nice handle, and he's got really good speed. He's able to penetrate and get to the rim pretty easily, and despite being kind of undersized. And I don't, I'm sorry, I don't mean that as a slight, like he's bigger than me, but for an NBA prospect, he's a little bit undersized, I should say. The one thing that offensively I felt like he needed to work on was his finishing at the rim. There was multiple layups in this game where he got all the way to the rim and then missed it. And it seems like that has been a problem, not just in this game, but also when he was in high school and also throughout the rest of the season. His two point percentage is a lot lower than you'd like to see. And that's even with a pretty nice jump shot. So it just is something he needs to work on is finishing around the rim because otherwise it's really going to limit his potential going forward at the next level. Um, there was another thing that I looked at where the last couple games before he had surgery were kind of dud games, which is also bringing down his percentages a little bit. And I think it's possible that the injury may have been bothering him and contributed to that. So I'm selfishly hoping that he comes back, even just for the tournament time, give us a little better look at what he looks like offensively when he's totally healthy. But really, the main concern with his offense would be that he's not able to end up being any better around the rim. I guess that his one kind of saving grace is he's not afraid of contact, so he can at least get to the rim and get fouled and go to the line. But... It's just something I think that he really needs to keep working on. As for his defense, I actually wasn't expecting to like 
him defensively. I figured he was just going to be one of these score-first guards, and that's probably a stereotype that I need to get rid of. But it seems like a lot of these guys that are really high prospects coming out of high school usually are just like all offense and no defense guys. And that's kind of been my stereotypes kind of been confirmed um, in these other guards that we looked at, like Lamella Ball and Anthony Edwards. Um, I guess the Sakame can't be said for RJ Hampton, but those other two guys kind of reinforced that, hey, they're going to focus more on offense than defense. But he had really good energy on defense. Um, when he's on the ball, he really is good at staying in front of his man and getting over and around screens. Um, when he's off the ball, he does a good job keeping his head on a swivel, keeping an eye on a ball, knowing where eye on the ball, knowing where his man is, um, sliding in places that he needs to be as the ball moves. The one thing that he did that I didn't care for was he does have a tendency to gamble for uh, like steals or there was a couple plays where the if there was a guy that got the ball near him that was covered, he would try to double him right away or cut off this like uh, passing lane. That did lead to a couple of open looks, but other than that, you have to really like his energy um, and his ability to navigate screens despite not being a huge guy. I think that's a really good thing going forward um, for him defensively. So that's to say that even if his offense doesn't turn into what we want it to be, I think his floor right now is kind of like a 3 and D guy. The other thing, though, that and I didn't see this as much in the game I watched, but there were some concerns for him coming out of high school that he doesn't have the best decision-making when it comes to passing. So there are times where he'll decide that, okay, it's my time to go score, and he won't look for his teammates very much. And you see a little bit of it in this game but not too much. Um, There were a few nice passes that he made, and he seems to have the vision. I think it's just one of those things that he needs to keep working on where he needs to be able to distribute because otherwise he could fall down to that floor where he kind of has to move over to being like an undersized two, and then he's just kind of a three and D guy if he can't become like a primary playmaker. But that being said, um, his ceiling is very high. I think if he's able to work on just finishing around the rim, he's already great at penetrating and getting there. He's already got the shot. He has the ability to be a good playmaker. It's just a matter of if he can put it all together. And that's kind of been the case for a lot of these prospects that we've looked at, honestly. Like a lot of there's not as many like slam dunks as there were even last year with like John Moran and Zion Williamson. This year it's kind of guys that you have to look and see what tools they have and say, okay, are they going to be able to take all these tools and put them together and become their ceiling? But another thing you have to look at if you're one of these teams that's picking really high is what is their floor? For Cole Anthony, I think he's got a pretty good floor where if nothing else, like I said, he can be kind of a scoring guard, comes off the bench for you and gets you some points and keeps the bench unit afloat and plays some good defense for you. Um, One thing I did notice too was that even when he's not on the ball um, on offense, he does do stuff off of the ball. It's not like he's just standing around waiting to get the ball back. This might just be a product of playing for North Carolina and playing for Roy Williams, but he doesn't constantly have the ball in his hand like a lot of these other potential lottery picks do. 
Uh, he does a lot of work off the ball, moving and setting screens and everything like that. Uh, that's really good to see as well, kind of that unselfishness, even though, like I said earlier, um, there is some concern about him being a guard that maybe isn't ready to be a primary playmaker. But I think it's something that he can work on and just work on getting his teammates more involved. Because he does have the passing ability and he does have the vision, like I mentioned earlier. It's just a matter of if he's able to put that together and become become the point guard um, that gets his teammates involved and elevates his teammates and isn't just kind of that scoring guard, like, <clears throat> I want to say, like, an Allen Iverson type, but I'm not comparing him to Allen Iverson. I'm just saying, like, you could see that potentially if he's not able to improve as a playmaker. In terms of where... I think he'll end up being drafted. Um, I think he's going to be a top five pick. I don't think that's up for a lot of debate. Um, I actually put him number one on my big board. And I think, again, like I said last week, that's kind of a testament to how this draft is shaking out so far because right now I have Cole Anthony one, RJ Hampton two, Anthony Edwards, three, James Wiseman, four, and LaMelo Ball, five. And like I said last episode, those first four are pretty much all in one bunch together. Like, what I'm saying is if James Wiseman went number one, I wouldn't be surprised or, like, like upset about it. Whereas, or if RJ Hampton did, or Cole Anthony, I mean, like, you get what I'm saying, but if LaMelo Ball went number one, I'd be shocked, because LaMelo Ball has been, by far, I think, the least impressive of these five prospects that I've looked at so far, and it's just kind of weird to me, because people keep trying to, like, say, oh, he's got all these tools, and he's gonna be a top five pick, and, I mean, I feel like we do this every year, where we look at this young prospect that's got a bunch of tools and we talk ourselves into it and I think we kind of need to stop doing that at some point you have to be able to produce and the problem with Lamelo Ball is not only did he not produce when he was playing for Australia now he has decided he's um, not coming back to play anymore before the draft I saw this tweet from I believe SB Nation that said um, he's not coming back. He's focusing on rehab, and he's going to work, and he's also going to continue riding his horse, which he's named Lamello. The whole thing is just pretty bizarre. I'd recommend looking into it, and obviously I think that may have been embellished for the clicks, but it was still like, reading the headline was just pretty weird for me. And there's just a lot of weirdness surrounding him from his game and what he's doing with his rehab and everything. I just have a lot of concerns about LaMelo Ball, and if I was a team picking in the top five, I would definitely not want to take him, unless you're really just trying to strike the lottery, but any of these other four guys that we've talked about already, I think would be much better options. As for uh, Cole Anthony, getting back on track a little bit here, um, like I said, I think he's going to end up in the top five. I could see him going number one, it doesn't seem like a lot of projections are putting him there. Um, Tankathon, which I'm looking at right now, has him projected number four to the Cavs. And honestly, that would be a terrible fit for him with uh, 
um, Colin Sexton and Darius Garland already there and having problems, I would not want to throw him into that. As for these other teams, uh, the Hawks, I don't think so, unless they're going to make him a two next to Trey Young, which could be interesting, actually. Maybe that would work, but I'm not sure they would want to do that, because then you kind of have two pretty undersized guards um, up top covering people, but at least Cole Anthony is a high-effort kind of defender that can hold his own, so I could maybe see that, actually. I'm talking myself into it as we go here. The Warriors, like I say every week, obviously would be a great fit, um, but I've heard, again, that they might end up trading down, which makes sense for where they're at. Um, they're just a team that's kind of accidentally tanking because their stars are injured, so it would kind of make sense for them to end up with a high pick and then trade down and get some more assets and start competing again. The Knicks, the Knicks actually would probably be a decent fit for him, assuming that the Knicks don't do any more weird Knicks stuff. Right now, I've been hearing rumors that they're interested in Andre Drummond, which I really don't understand. The thing about the Knicks, it's like, they seemed like they were doing things right there for a minute. They were building around this young core, they had RJ Barrett, and regardless of, you know my feelings on RJ Barrett, but regardless of that, they had Mitchell Robinson, they got Frankie Smokes, and they got, um, who am I forgetting, they got Trier, they got Knox, they got all these young guys, and they're... Then they signed a bunch of veteran players to these like one or two year contracts. The idea being we can kind of keep rebuilding for a couple years around these young guys, get them used to being in there, and then we can go get a big free agent or big two big free agents. And in the meantime, we'll be bad and we can get some top picks. So why the hell would you go and get Andre Drummond? One, it doesn't make sense for building around your core because he's not he's not old but he's not young either and then the other thing is his contract is coming up i believe this off season so you have to pay him if you want to keep him and you'd have to trade assets for him and he doesn't make you better why why would why would you want andre drummond over mitchell robinson i, I don't understand the whole next thing and every time they seem like they're going the right direction they turn around and do something bizarre but sorry i got a little heated there sorry about that to any knicks fans that are listening but i'm sure a lot of you have felt the same way so if the knicks don't end up doing a weird knicks thing and trading the pick i could see cole anthony being a good fit there next to their young core assuming they keep it together uh the wizards probably not unless they want to make him into a bench guy behind beal and wall the Hornets could be interesting if the Hornets can hang around in this lottery range and get a top pick. They could be a good spot for him because right now they're running, I believe, Terry Rozier out there as their starting point guard. And I know they threw a lot of money at him, but I don't think he's the long-term solution here. And any Hornets fans that are listening, if you want to correct me on that, feel free because I admittedly have not watched a lot of Hornets basketball this year. Let's see who else we got here in the top 10. Uh, the Wolves, the Wolves could work. They're definitely needing a point guard. They let T go. Um, if they can, again, get a higher pick, right now they're at seven, but we know with the flat and lottery odds that teams are able to move up pretty easily. Um, I could see Cole Anthony being a good fit there next to Jared Culver as well as Carl Anthony Towns and kind of building around those guys. That could be really nice. And then there's Andrew Wiggins, but 
that's a whole nother conversation. Whole nother. Sorry about that. A whole other conversation. Let a little bit of my Midwest out again there. Apologies for that. Kings, no. They got Darren Fox. Bulls, I don't even know anymore. Just no, I guess. <laughs> um, and then rounding out the top 10 right now is the Pelicans. And they got Lonzo Ball, I guess, as their point guard going forward. But if they wanted to abandon that project, they could, I could potentially see them taking Cole Anthony. But I'm honestly not sure what they're trying to do right now. I think they're waiting for Zion to come back to decide if they're going to be competitive or not. They've been winning some games now, so that's why they've fallen a little bit down to 10 here, but just depends what they want to do, I guess. Um, but that would round out the top 10 of teams, so like I said, good locations, Warriors, Hawks maybe, Knicks, not Cleveland, not Washington, Hornets possibly, Wolves possibly, Kings no, Bulls probably not, and Pelicans maybe. Hope you kept up with all of that. <laughs> um, as for anything else, I actually don't have a lot more to talk about today. I know this was a little bit of a shorter podcast. I was hoping to get to two prospects this week, but I only ended up getting to one. Work got kind of busy on me, and I wasn't able to get to Tyrese Halliburton. But I think the plan next week and going forward is I'm going to try to keep doing two prospects a week, give you a little more podcast uh, content here. Um, so next week, I think I'm going to plan on covering Tyrese Halliburton, Oshkosh native, and Killian Hayes, who is an international player. I'm going to click on his thing right now. He is playing in Germany. Uh, he's originally from France. So that one should be interesting as well. So plan on looking out for Tyrese Halliburton and, I'm oh, sorry, I clicked off the page, and Killian Hayes next, next episode. Um, in the meantime, give me a follow at the, sorry, I keep saying at the Scouting Report. It's actually at, just at Scouting Report on Twitter. Um, got some content up there, and I've been posting the notes of each of these podcasts, so you can take a look at what I'm seeing. Um, also, tell me if there's anything I can include that you'd like to hear or anything you don't like hearing. I really appreciate any feedback, or go ahead and rate and review right on your podcast app. Uh, like I said, I'm going to keep trying to get these posted to more places. I'm looking to get them on iTunes and Spotify soon, so be on the lookout for that. And that's actually, I believe, all I have for today. So have a nice day, have a nice week, and I will talk to you next week. Bye.